$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. It's Big Foot Collectors Club with Bryce, Michael, and Ivy. I know a story of high strangeness or two. <laughs> Let's do this. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. Oh boy, oh boy. We did it. We we, we did, did it. it. We did it, guys. We, did it, we had guys. a little bit of a false start, but we're back. Our guest is being wonderfully patient. So why don't we bring them right back? Not only are they being patient with our technical difficulties, they also have paused a show that they're in the middle of to, <laughs> to come over and, watch and do this with us. So we appreciate it. Um, our guest this week is culinary producer for Good Mythical Morning on Mythical Kitchen and the host of Trevor Talks Too Much podcast, Club Scouts of All Timelines. Please welcome to the show, Trevor Everts, Trevor. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, you're welcome for pausing my show. <laughs> it, uh, you know, not all heroes wear capes, but I do what I can. Um, <laughs> no, why seriously, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> why don't you tell everyone at home what you're watching, why, and where we have interrupted you? Okay, so I'm watching Fringe, uh, which is an old show. I think it's, I think it started airing in like 2007, maybe. Um, but it's J.J. Abrams, and I don't only watch it because Joshua Jackson is hot, but that does help a lot. Sure. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, it's like uh, it's like a Millennials X Files. It's just this show about this uh, division of the FBI called the Fringe Division, and they investigate oh, yeah. weird, unexplained sciences. Um, and it's really good. And I'm like right towards the end of season three and the parallel universes are colliding and things mm. are collapsing. Uh Oh, we've got an incursion on our hands. He Speaking just got our language out. Here. He's in a coma. It's scary. It's scary. <sighs> I've not um, watched know, this show at all. And based on your description, it's a show about us. Yeah. You yeah, want to know what's much. scarier, Trevor? Mm-hmm. What? All that stuff is real. <laughs> I believe it. I, the more that I watch the show, honestly, the last few weeks have been probably the most like uh, conspiracy theory weeks of my life. I'm like, maybe this is actually happening. Mm. Okay, this what's going on right now? What's going through your head? What What are the big What are the big ideas? Since we none of us have seen it, sadly. What are the big ideas? Like, what are the big themes that you're picking up on? Okay, so well, it starts off. Um, you kind of have this the the main character of the show, played by Anna Torv, Olivia Dunham, and she's an FBI agent. She gets called in to investigate a case um, where it seems as though this plane had an emergency landing, and when they went inside the plane, everybody's like skin had melted off. That's um, not good. Yeah, and so this is like this big first episode, and then she. Turns out she gets recruited to be a part of this fringe division, um, and she checks out Dr. Walter Bishop out of a mental hospital, <laughs> um, who is one of the like pioneers of like this fringe science. Um, he's done a bunch of research, but he went insane. Oh, wait, um, is this our future? I mean, yes. this, I don't know. <laughs> I'm little, now I'm concerned yeah. about this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's great. And then she also goes to Iraq to find his son. 
uh, because she needs his son's help to check him out of the mental hospital. So then the three of them kind of become this ragtag team that investigates all these like quote unquote fringe science events um, Mm. where they like explore teleportation, um, parallel, parallel universes. Uh, what is the overall goal? Are they trying to stop something from happening or, uh, well, or that's they... the cool thing hmm. about the sorry to interrupt. That's the cool thing about the show is that like you don't really know. Like it kind of starts off in the first season as this sort of monster of the week type deal where every episode is like a new case, a new weird thing that's happened. Um, as the story unfolds, they find out that there is a parallel universe. Um, and I don't want to give anything away because I want as many okay. people yeah. to watch the show as possible. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. But there's a big like reveal that has to do with Peter. Um, so played by Joshua Jackson. Uh, there's this big reveal that has to do with Peter, but there's a, a parallel universe. And over in that universe, things are different, but very similar. And the people in the other universe think that um, the main universe, the one that we see throughout the whole first couple seasons, is trying to destroy their universe. Mm, so then they're no. kind of at war, but they can't communicate really, and so they're kind of just like butting heads. I don't. It's really oh. good. Best universe wins. Exactly. Yeah. Last Love universe that. standing. Trevor, oh, I yeah. I would suggest that the four of us team up to do a fringe rewatch podcast, but I'm still trying to get Bryce to watch the third episode of Twin Peaks. So I can't make any promises. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, but if Bryce isn't, doesn't have his heart in it, then I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe we could get like a parallel universe, Bryce, to watch it. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. yeah, check I the like other that. universes. See if there's one that can yeah. make time to, to do this. It's just a, it's just a Bryce that watches all his uh, prescribed shows for Michael. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and loves them, loves every yeah. moment. Well, of course, of course. I'm not yeah. telling you to watch in just like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> This is it is tough, though, because I mean, TV in the early 2000s was different. Like you get TV shows today where it's straight to streaming and you get Mm. the whole season released in one day and it's like 10, 30 minute episodes. The the, every season of Fringe is like 20 to 25 episodes long and they're 50 minute episodes. Yeah. Wow. Like it's not it's not one of those things you just watch in a week. I've been at it for a couple weeks now and I'm only through season three out of five. Trevor. I kind of love that. That's Trevor, should be. do you want yeah. to watch Twin Peaks? Have you watched Twin Peaks? <laughs> I, I actually haven't watched Twin oh, Peaks, man. but oh. I want to. Okay. It's, maybe about, we'll get, it's maybe, about. Maybe we'll get you back for an episode of, of Twin Peaks or something. Maybe. I would love to. Twin Peaks is definitely on my list. I, I don't watch like a ton of TV shows, um, but I do have some favorites for sure. And I feel like Twin Peaks kind of falls in line with the kind of stuff that I like. So. Bryce, that's cool. So you I like? Hope you're paying attention. You I really am. <laughs> <laughs> so you like? You like? I so I love this stuff. So it sounds like to me like you're trying to keep a uh, one foot in the ground of science while exploring the unknown. And I think parallel universes does does that nicely. Let me ask you this though: Have you ever heard about this idea or or rule, uh, Trevor, that if you ever find yourself in the fairy realm, that you shouldn't eat the food there? Have you ever heard of anything like that? I mean, I'm a I'm a big fantasy guy. I'm a big fantasy sci-fi guy. I tend to enjoy fantasy books more and sci-fi mm. shows and movies more. Um, but with all the fantasy that I've read, it's pretty much a general rule when you're in the in the realm of the Fae that you don't really mess around with anything there and you do your best to just get out as soon as possible. Oh Hell shit. Yeah. So you've I done your like research. Look at that. That's it. Yeah. This guy. What what fairy food would you be most tempted by? What fairy food would I be most probably like a weird looking berry? I if so, mm. there's like a weird looking <laughs> fruit or berry, I can't right. help myself. <laughs> it's like sparkling with like some like glow dust alien. It's yeah. just miraging. Yeah, twinkling. Yeah, there was some weird like purple like fruit like melon looking thing that was sparkling. I I wouldn't be able to help myself. <laughs> uh, let's go around the around the virtual room here, Bryce Riley. What, what oh. fey food can you not resist? I mean, for me, it would definitely be fairy nachos, especially if they were <laughs> vegan fairy nachos <laughs> with cashew cheese. Then I'm done. I'm there just, for life. That's you're it. You're just describing uh, regular vegan nachos. 
yeah. Oh. But, yeah. Maybe they're shiny or they're sparkly a little bit. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so All basically, right. so far, fairy food is just regular food, a little bit weirder with sparkles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. What about you, Bryce? I imagine like a little green apple with like hot legs and fishnet stockings and, and high heel black <laughs> shoes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I'm like, what's going on? Are you what's happening here? So, <laughs> so you're talking about the green M M&M, and M, basically. Sec- <laughs> yeah, from yeah, the commercials. I guess, so. I guess yeah. so. Oh my god, can you? That's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I change my answer? Yes, yes, please. Okay, fairy ass. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to help myself. Yeah. I was going to be it's like, a fairy cake. <laughs> there you go. Leave it Leave oh, it to Bryce man. to lead us down the, uh, the path. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I'm sad that there's no video on this because I'd love to show you all my hat. But I, I kind of want you to guess what my hat says. Okay. This is getting weird, but brand. I like it. All right. It's on brand. Well, you got to give us a little context here. What are, give us some context clues. Are we talking okay, like well, trucker hat? Is this a like elf, like a Peter Pan hat? No, it's like a dad hat. Um, and here's what I'll say. Like a fedora? It, no, it like relates a, like to what I just said about what I would do to a fairy. And okay. it also uh, includes uh, the namesake of your of your podcast. It includes Bigfoot. Oh, nah. is, wait a minute! Is it a big? Is it a Bigfoot butt hat? Like there's like a furry butt uh, just above the bill, and like, <laughs> uh, there is Bigfoot on the hat. Uh, you okay. can't really see his butt. That is this well, the okay. meme that's been going around? And I'm going to paraphrase it about like. I believe in Bigfoot and he ate my ass or something. Is there, there's one of these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the phrase? Uh, Let's, you know what? It's, it's time how, how we dare address you, Trevor? this how meme. Dare you? It is time that the Bigfoot Collectors Club address this filth that's been going around. And people, yes. believe me, people have been sending us this meme uh, in our DMs. So constantly. many times. Yeah. What's yeah, it the says what Bigfoot is, is real, and he tried to eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> I mean, you could take it in two ways. There's the sexual way, or it could be like he's a he's a monster, and he tried to eat my ass because it's like the yeah. fattest part of the body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my God. Or like he tried to eat my ass. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the first way, though. Yeah. We all know that. It's definitely we the all, first way. It's definitely yeah, sexual. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Well, yeah. guys. This is the horniest show of the year so far, and I can't <laughs> yes! wait to see where it goes. Um, Trevor, we have a question that we ask all of our guests. What is your personal paranormal history? Okay, so I uh, like a like a my story or my story kind of like yeah an experience well, that I had yeah. If, have you ever experienced anything of the, the anything that you couldn't explain? Weird lights in the mystical sky, states, UFOs, yes, yes ghosts, exactly. Have I got a story for you? So I'm sure that you gentlemen are familiar with uh, the notion that a lot of paranormal or unexplained things that happen in the United States happen in certain areas usually. There's higher concentrations, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of disappearances in like, you know, the Northwest and in like heavily forested areas. And then you've got a lot of the kind of UFO usually type of sightings that happen in the desert. So I'm from Boise, Idaho, like I told you earlier, and I live in California and I've done the drive, um, from California to Boise a lot. Uh, I've driven from here back to Boise uh, too many times to count, but one time I was driving overnight and the, the like route that I take to get home, I always drive like right through the middle of Nevada through a small town called Hawthorne because it's Mm. the fastest and most direct. Uh, but for like five hours of this drive through Nevada, you're just driving through middle of nowhere desert. It's just nothing. And, uh, when I drive, I don't, I don't get tired. Like I'm very alert and awake. Just like if I'm behind the wheel of a car, I don't get tired. And so I was driving through the night to go home and it's probably like one, two in the morning. And I'm driving through this, this section in Nevada, North of Hawthorne, just through the desert. And I, I, on my life, on my 
grandmother on my mother, I there's a hill off to like the left of me um, as I'm driving. And I look at this hill and there's a cloud behind it. And I, I, I can't make this up. There was a cloud with like these blinking, flickering lights, like flashing lights, colored lights, Whoa. just like in this cloud. And it's like, and the, it seems like the lights are kind of coming from behind this hill. So like, I'm like kind of freaked out, but I was like, I don't know, maybe it's some like, there's just like a town back there or something. And I pull up like my phone and I look at the map, like Google maps. There's nothing. There's nothing no, here. I'm looking at it now. There is nothing out here. There's nothing. There's no city near me. There's nothing on the map. There hasn't been an exit in like 15 miles. So there's there's literally nothing. And I, I look over and I mean, I'm driving fast and it's like pretty out there. So I, and I don't want to like get into an accident or anything, but I'm just like staring at these lights. And I was like, what is that? And I kept like looking over it until like I drove past it. I couldn't tell you if I actually saw something like moving behind the cloud that looked like a ship or maybe a UFO, but I swear to God, there was a lot of blinking, flashing colored lights kind of in wow. this cloud or underneath this cloud behind a hill. I mean, that sounds like textbook UFO cloud camouflage to me. Yep. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm looking well, at H- Hawthorne on the map, Bryce, and yeah. you know, it's not super close, but it's also not super far away from Area 51 in Rachel, Nevada. You know what I mean? So mm. do you remember if you were going down, had you hit Tonopah yet? Where were you, Trevor? Do you let remember? Me, let me grab the map. Hold on. Let me pull my phone. If you're right headed quick, down because... 95, you could be coming into like Area 51 territory. Oh, I just I just typed Hawthorne and it brought up Hawthorne, California. <laughs> yeah, it's the bigger. You know, what's uh, interesting is like this 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 cloud theme is like recurring now. Remember that listener who sent he uh, uh, Trevor? He was in a plane with his wife where he takes a picture outside the outside the plane at like twenty five thousand feet. He sees this little black like oblong thing following the craft. His wife takes another photograph down below, and you can see what looks like. A triangular, like a right triangle craft. I mean, cloud. But it's translucent. It's translucent. There's no way a a cloud has edges like that. For listeners who are like, what are they talking about? This is a discussion that we had recently on the other side. Yes, that's right. So join the other side on our Patreon. But then also there's, uh, you know, Jordan Peele explored this idea in his film Nope. So I don't know. It's interesting. Is art imitating life, life imitating art? There's now there's I like this idea of these, you you know, UFOs or UAPs using the cloud cover as as camouflage. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, okay. so I'm pulling up the map here and the route that I take, it goes I. I drive up through California, um, mm-hmm. through Bishop, California. So if you see the six, I take the six all the yep. way up and then I get off on the 360, that little like road there, the 360 oh, yeah. that connects up to the 95. Mm-hmm. It was like near there. It was near the like 360 to 95 okay. kind of interchange. I can't yeah, remember there's if nothing I was out on there. the 360. There's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. What color lights are we talking about here? So it, to the best of my knowledge and memory, it was yellow. It was a mixture of like yellow, red, and blue and green. I think it was mostly mm. those four <clears throat> colors. Yellow, red, wow. blue, Tre- green. Trevor, um, you, you were the only one out there, right? I mean, like it was just you and this craft, right? It was just me. Just me That's and not craft. good. That's and not good. Is, how, hold hold it, on. Hold, hold on. No. I, want to, I, want, I want to know a few more specs yeah. before you get okay. into okay. telling I'm ready to Trevor launch. the bad yeah. to tell Trevor the bad news. But okay. um, right. what how close was the object and how large would you say? Because when you say cloud, are we talking like a low cloud hovering near the hillside, or is this two hundred feet up in the air? How big would this cloud be if you could measure it? Your best guess. It it was a low cloud. I would say the hill was probably it was a fair distance off from like the road that I was on, but not too far. I wouldn't say it was more than like maybe ten miles. Okay, if you been. held if you held up your hand, like in your driver's and your your through your window, would you be able to cover up the object with the palm of your hand? Um. No, if I held okay. my arms straight out, the hill yeah. is still like a little bit 
peeking out. And it, the cloud okay. was, it was a low cloud that almost, it was almost like it was behind the hill, like behind yeah. and above the hill a little bit. So this is big. We're talking about a big object here. I would say so. Yeah, it was big enough. Bigger than mm. a plane? <laughs> um, I would, I would say yes if I had to okay. guess. All right, so maybe maybe we're getting into some mothership territory here. Maybe, maybe. Great heavens, what happened to me out there? <laughs> well, Bryce, you want to let him know? No, I just you know I just think it's interesting because look, these encounters aren't happenstance, right? If you're out there driving in the middle of the road and you see an anomalous object, what looks to be like a classic UFO. It's there for a reason, and it's there, you know, probably observing you. <clears throat> and in a lot of these cases, you know, people drive home like as if nothing happened. Yeah, I saw a strange lights. That was weird. And it's not until sort of later down the road, maybe they're in a dream or something, and they start to get more information that might have taken place. Uh, do you do you remember experiencing anything unusual? I'm, I'm missing time. Or, yeah, did you or get home on time? Or, yeah, I, I did get home on time. I okay, that's there good. was actually nothing. That's there good. were no other kind of symptoms. There was no nausea. Okay. There was no dizziness. No strange marks. No strange marks. Yeah, I that's mean, great. I got yeah. home like according to when because I, I know how long the drive is, and yeah, I arrived right when I thought I would. So. Okay, that's good. Do that's good ever, because if did you have any dreams where suddenly you would see the face of a large mantis like being close up, and it, <laughs> and you you'd scream and wake up. No, no. Okay, that's good. Happen. That's good. Okay, good. That's going to happen tonight. But don't worry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. It's just because I've been watching Fringe. <laughs> what, what did you? I have been yeah. having some weird dreams since watching the show, though. Oh, oh, oh. let's get into it. Yeah, Riley. I was wondering, Go what ahead. did you chalk it up to in the moment when it happened, and and afterwards, like what what did you think it was then, and and how do you justify it to yourself now? Like, what do you what do you think you saw? Um, so the part of me that is very like Scully and Mulder, I want to believe was like, oh yeah, that was probably a UFO. Um, the, the part of my brain that is rational, I guess, maybe not rational is not the right word, but the part of my brain, I guess, that doesn't want to believe in aliens is that, I don't know, it's probably like some kids throwing a rager or something. I don't know. Out in, the middle of the desert, <laughs> in a cloud. It's just kids having party in a, having well, a party. Well, I'd go to that. I'd go to that rave. Hell yeah. Here's what I'll say. It, it felt like when I saw it, the lights didn't seem like they were in the cloud. I'm sorry if I didn't mm. make that clear. It, it, it seemed like it was something on the ground below the cloud. Oh, and the lights were, right. the, and, you, and they were lighting oh, it up. Oh, yeah. this changes things. So it could have been something that had landed. And was reflecting yes. off. Oh, oh that's, shit. That's even could, scarier. In could a lot this of have ways. at all possibly just been Burning Man? Was, is, is it, was it is Sparks, Nevada, anywhere nearby? <laughs> See, that's what I was thinking. That, that was my first thought was that, oh, there's just some festival or whatever going on out in the middle of the desert. Because what else is there to do in the middle of the desert? Right. But also UFO, you know? Mm. Yeah. Someone is listening to this who lives in Nevada, and they're like, you guys, those are just these lights. And they're going to tell us about (laughs) some weird lights that we don't know because we don't live in the desert. You know, yeah, these are the flashing fart poop lights. That light yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thursday night at 2 a.m. <laughs> They're on the 360, <laughs> you guys. Um, uh, stranger things have happened. I think yeah. I think you might have seen a, a craft there. Sure. That's what I think. What, is, what did you, I want to hear about some of these dreams, but I'm just curious too, like growing up, were you someone who was interested in ghosts or cryptids or any of this stuff or is it something you haven't given much thought to unless you see some weird lights in this in the in the clouds no 100 percent. i've always been interested in this stuff like i i love like watching youtube videos and listening to podcasts about like unexplained events like i'm sure you've heard have you heard of like unexplained with richard mclean smith that podcast yes yeah, yeah, love that one. There's one called Bedtime Stories that's really good. I don't know. I, there's something about British dudes talking about weird events that just is really <laughs> calming to me. Of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, since I was a kid, I grew up watching stuff like X Files and and Star Trek, and like my dad is a big sci fi nerd, and he also is like <laughs> loves ancient aliens and stuff like that. Um, yep. Actually, there's a movie you guys have to have heard about this. Do you remember the movie The Fourth Kind? 
buddy, heard about it, haven't watched it because I've been too scared to. No, it's so great. It's like one of my favorite movies, mostly because it was actually like debunked and like it was the whole thing was just fraud. Um, (laughs) Oh, wait, they try to make it seem like it was like a real thing. Yeah, yeah, no. So it was this movie that like the first time I watched the movie with my dad, we were terrified because we were like, this, this is, this is real. Like it happened. This is the documented proof. We were like, how is nobody talking about this? And so we started doing research into it. Turns out the studio that did it, I can't remember if it was Warner Brothers or Universal, um, but I guess the during the promotion for the movie, they like falsified obituaries from the town and like <laughs> oh. made up all these false like wow. newspaper articles and documents and stuff to make it seem like a real thing. And the whole oh, town yeah. of Nome, Alaska, like sued the studio over it and won for like defamation or something like because oh, you had yeah. all these people that were like, this is the craziest thing ever. Like this actually happened. And they're like, none of this actually happened. So, well. I got to ask you. I saw Trevor, that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. I got to ask you, no offense to you or your dad, but when Mia jo- Jovovich showed up on screen, didn't you think maybe this was, there were actors in this movie? Well, no, but that's the thing is that there are, Mia Jovovich plays the main character, but the movie is shot in this way that it's like partial recreation, partial like oh. found footage. Oh, so okay. then- you have this other actor that's playing the character that Mia Jovovich is playing. And she was honestly the scariest part of the movie um, <laughs> because she has these gigantic bug eyes and it's yeah, so she's great. weird. She's so creepy. Trevor, um, I remember this movie. This movie terrified me. I like, because you know, within the UFO community and abduction community, there's this idea that, you know, owls are these harbingers of of abductees, and they they used it yeah. well to their advantage in this movie. I remember that lady sort of like peeling back her head and letting out a silent scream, and I just remember shills going up the back of my spine. You know, because stuff like this, you know, does apparently happen to people. People report these things, and and when you hear these, you know, them talk about it, and some of these sessions, which kind of the fourth kind explored, they are fucking nightmare fuel. Yeah, no, that's why like the first time I watched the movie, I was like shitting my pants. My dad and I were freaking out. Um, But then when you go like learn about like all the stuff that they did and how it's kind of like all just fake, at least that that movie in particular, like that event didn't actually happen in Nome, Alaska, despite whatever Mm. weird stuff happens up in the nether regions of Alaska, because it probably does. But this specific event didn't happen. And then the movie just becomes a comedy. Because it's right. so funny. Once it's um, blown, yeah. Yeah. It's my dad. Actually, my dad and I, our favorite thing to do is show people this movie that have never seen it, but not give them any context. Oh, so then the they watch it and they're freaking out. And my dad and I are just laughing the whole time. We're like, why are you laughing? This is so scary. Look at what's happening. And then we're just cracking up. Have Sounds I ever like told you guys about how- that's great yeah have i have i ever told you about how they distributed the blair witch project in los angeles when it first came out trevor let me so back when blair witch first came out as as the story goes they made about 250 black vhs tapes and on these vhs tapes in silver sharpie they wrote b w p and you would get one i had one right i don't know how the fuck i got one but someone handed me one and they're like you gotta watch this turn out all the lights in your apartment and watch this shit it'll fucking change you man and and you do and you throw in whatever this was and that's how i started blair witch project I remember when that tape popped out and it was finished, my eyes were so like, they were on the floor. I was like, what happened? What is this? You know, but it was just <laughs> genius, a stroke of genius on, on the marketing. And, and it became viral before that was a thing. And it was like, people were talking about it. No, that that's totally genius level marketing. I There's saw one another of those tape. Too, Bryce. Yeah. Have oh. we talked about that before? I, yes. I think so. There's yeah. probably yeah. more than kid. 250. There must have been thousands of them or something, but like, genius. Yeah, I had the I same experience. It. it was, it was uh, watching like a cabin in the woods with a friend and yeah. thinking it was real. And it was, uh, 
It was uh, <sighs> so yeah. good. Quite a, quite an experience. Love, I wonder if I still have that. I bet I might. Somewhere. That's probably mm-hmm. worth so much money if That's you still true. have it. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, the, I'm uh, going up to the attic, guys. Yeah, I gotta, gotta go. go. All right, have a great night. <laughs> we, we find him facing the wall. Um, there's there's this great uh, another found footage alien movie that we've. I don't think we've talked about at all on the show called the McPherson tape. Have you guys heard hmm. about this? So I've heard no, of that, but I don't think I've seen it. This is one that was made like in 1989. It's shot on like a VHS camera and it's a family. You think you're watching a family. This is like before paranormal activity, before Blair Witch. Oh. And they see a UFO like land out in the woods. And then these alien grays come up to their window <sighs> and into their oh. house. And people thought it was like real footage of alien grays. But it was really like the very early, like before anyone had thought about doing a found footage thing, the McPherson tape was it. And we we should watch Dude, it for the Patreon. I'll tell you it, what, I'm watching this shit before Twin Peaks. I, I like just Googled it. Like, <laughs> this fucking made, this is on my list now, dude. I, this looks good. Yeah, I think you can get it if you have Shutter or Amazon Prime Video, but but oh. that's that's one that should be on everybody's radar. Maybe we'll do it do it on the show. Um, cool. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about quick talk about some dreams. We're going to play a little game, and then we're going to get into this week's story of high strangeness with Trevor Everts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So uh, on the break, uh, Trevor decided that he's going home to watch the McPherson tape with his dad. Yeah, one hundred percent. He'll love it. He Dude, yeah, this is what this. we this is what we do on this podcast, man. We just we we tighten family bonds. Yeah, we that's bring what we fathers do. Fathers and sons <laughs> even closer together. Yeah, this is like one that I think like passed around ufology circles wasn't super mainstream wasn't a big hit i think it stayed a little bit more underground and i'd seen clips of it i think on an episode of sightings or one of those things and i was like no 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 like it freaked me the fuck out when i saw it so um, i've been looking at like the pictures on google of like shots from this movie it's funny because this looks like so much of like the really cool, weird internet analog horror that you see. Yes. Like there's been this really cool underground thing happening, like especially on YouTube where these channels will get created that it's just like all these videos that are just analog horror, like weird things happening that like tell these stories and just like leave it up to random viewers to find and figure out what's going on. But that's like exactly what it looks like. Like it love looks that. like this movie and I love that shit. So it's definitely pretty great. Have to watch this. Cool. So tell us real quick about some of these strange dreams you've been having lately. I mean, I think it's so here's what happens. Uh, A lot of this is like my nightly routine is I get home from work and then I get on to play video games with my friends and then I have some trouble sleeping like insomnia issues. And the best thing that I found to help me with my sleeping issues is just taking edibles before I go to bed because they help me sleep really well. Mm-hmm. So then I'll take some also edibles. just maybe not staying up late playing video games might help too, but I don't I don't want to be that guy. Okay. Actually <laughs> whatever dad. <laughs> I think it's my medication that I take. <laughs> okay, fair uh, that gives me insomnia. But who knows, you know, whatever. Uh but anyway, so recently I've just been getting high and then laying in bed watching fringe before I go to sleep. Um, and I think this just led me to have some weird dreams where I'm like in these kind of situations, like the, the people, the characters are in on the show. 
um, mm-hmm. where weird things are happening to me. I, I can't remember my dreams super well, so I don't really have any details, um, but just kind of weird stuff like that. I mean, it could all be happening for real in a parallel universe, if you think about it. Who knows, man? Who knows? I have been getting a lot of deja vu, and I, I one of the things in Fringe that they say deja vu is, is that you're somewhere in another universe that's happened to you, and so you mm. feel like you're remembering it. Yeah, that's you can always judge good sci-fi based on what their explanation for deja vu is. I think that's a pretty solid rule. It's like the cheese pizza for for pizza connoisseurs. Let me give me your best cheese pie. Yeah, (laughs) give me your best explanation for deja vu. Mm -hmm. Right, right. right. I'm on board. Um, Okay, let's play a game that we play with all of our guests. Trevor, I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. Rapid fire. If you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. There's no in between. Even if you're on the fence, you got to pick in the moment. Okay. Okay. You you can always circle back and dive into something a little bit deeper that you feel like needs some explanation. Okay. I struggle with commitment, so this is going to be tough, but I'm ready. Great. That's (laughs) you're, you're the perfect person to play this game. Uh, This is a game we call bullshit or believe it. Trevor, on your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Aliens. Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. Psychic vampires. Bullshit. Spontaneous combustion. Bullshit. Astral projection. Believe it. Ouija boards. Bullshit. Alien abduction. Uh, bullshit. Dogman. Bullshit. Mothman. Believe it. Sheep squatch. Bullshit. Ritual magic. Believe it. Levitation. Believe it. The healing power of crystals. Bullshit. We're living in a simulation. Believe it. The government is hiding the truth about Elvis. Believe it. Alien-human hybrids. Bullshit. Miracles. Believe it. Reincarnation. Uh, Bullshit. Destiny. Believe it. Life after death. Believe it. Well done. Well, I I got to tell you, Trevor. You wow. you get a gold medal for that run. That was fantastic. Yep. Really? Was Not based good? on your answers, just you committed, you didn't waver, you never once strayed from your lines. Like I got to tell you, that's one of the best rounds of bullshit or believe it that I well done. as a host I've ever experienced. Thank you. I appreciate that. Here's the thing. I have my convictions and I rarely stick to them. So if you ask me all those questions again in an hour, the answers would be completely different probably. But in this moment now, I believe I answered open and honestly. That's perfect. That's how the paranormal works. Yeah. We look at it as a snapshot of where you are in this moment. Okay. I think it's a good snapshot. Any of these that you want to go, I gotta, I have a few more thoughts on Dogman. Um, I, hmm. Okay, one, cryptids in general, they have mm-hmm. to exist. Like, I know you had, you had a few on, did I say no to Dogman? Did I say bullshit to Dogman? I believe you did, yeah. Oh, I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry, Dogman. Like Mothman, Sasquatch, even like uh, the uh, the Dover Demon, all yeah, of those oh, yeah. have got to exist. Deep you know cuts. what I mean? Yep, yep. Yeah. I believe in all of them because here's the, there's too much. Like if you look at the United States as a whole and you look at like the population mapping of the United States and there is so much empty space in this country. Yeah. That just nobody ever goes to. Just miles and miles of nothing. And something's got to live out there. And who are we to say mm-hmm. if someone sees something out there that they're wrong just because nobody else has seen it? Out there or under there? Or under there. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at like, I, I, this picture goes around on the internet every once in a while, but if you look at like the map of the largest cave systems in the United States and the maps of like disappearances, 
in the United yeah. States, like <clears throat> unexplained disappearances, and they basically just lay over the top of each other. That's like, so funny. Mark mentioned that on, on a previous episode. He mentioned yeah. the exact map you were talking about. Just yeah. last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. This is coming up. This is a synchronicity. Guys, I think we're going to have to get into caves more this year. This coming year. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> get into caves. Fun. Caves are scary. I can't do, I I can do a fun, like big open cave. But as soon as I see video of people having to like belly crawl through a narrow shaft of rock to get to like some cool underground lagoon, I'm like, goodbye. No, (laughs) I I don't think I've stepped foot in a cave since I watched the movie Descent. Oh God, no way. God, what a scary movie. And like, I don't even want to fuck with caves. Yeah. Because who knows what's down there? Nobody. Now, a lot of people think that Bigfoot might, you know, the Sasquatch species might be dwelling in these cave systems. I'm curious. I want to put it to you, Trevor and Bryce and Riley. Um, Bigfoot, can he squish himself down like a hamster to get through those narrow, narrow crevices? (laughs) I hope so. Look, as as a tall. okay, so I'm six foot four. But I can get small. I don't know if it's like one of my talents, but like I can fold myself down into a such a small ball. And if I'm capable of doing it, I think Bigfoot is because he's way more talented than I am, right? Absolutely. He, she, they, the Bigfoots of the world. I mean, they've got to have powers, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those, because you know, you see like mice, like or rats, like they kind of their body contorts for them to get mm-hmm. like squeezed through places. I bet Bigfoot could do that. Absolutely. We haven't haven't talked about the squishiness of Bigfoot before. uh, Well, you don't need to be, you you don't, you don't need squishy. You just need the, the, the proper opening and entrance. You know, I spoke with Dr. Robert Michael Pyle, who wrote the book where Bigfoot walks. They made a movie about it, crossing the dark divide. He got a Guggenheim grant to study uh, Bigfoot and its ecology, right? And uh, so he explored the entire Pacific Northwest and his encounter uh, that, that what he thought was probably more than likely a Sasquatch took place in a cave. And this is an accredited, uh, you know, peer-reviewed scientist who's going out on a limb here and speaking of his experiences as he uh, was traversing the Pacific Northwest. And um, so, yeah, Bigfoot does use caves. I think so too. I mean, there's so many like, like I don't think a lot of people that live in cities understand what a mountain looks like. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that yeah. mm-hmm. sounds like a stupid thing to say, but like growing up like around mountains, like even like driving in Idaho, like you just see these gigantic, massive things that like nobody just is walking around there. Like there's trails, there's hiking places. But like, as far as just like mountains out in the wild, like people don't just walk around them. So who's like, who knows what kind of caves are up there or what might be living up there? Well, and you know, here's, here's the thing too, right? It's, it's the trifecta of archetypal landscape, right? I'm talking about the forests, the seas and caves. Things come out of these places and I don't know if they're projections of ours or or there's some type of tulpa manifestation, but it's these places like the cave uh that <laughs> that tickles the back of our subconscious and and starts to reveal creatures that do uh, inhabit those deep, dark crevices and spaces, and they're different than the tall, hairy bipeds that are coming out of the forest and are the Pleistocene uh, swimming monsters that are coming out of these lakes. So, I'm saying that you know maybe it's these spaces, these places that are shaping the type of cryptid anomalies that we're seeing. A good description of the cryptid phenomenon, also an ex- an excellent description of Fraggle Rock. Um, i'll never forget as a kid who grew up in kansas going on a road trip with my family and seeing the rocky mountains for the first time and how like i got dizzy looking at it in the car as a kid because i was like whoa like that 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 huge vastness that you're talking about, Trevor, I think there's really something there. You know, people just yeah. kind of underestimate, people just in general underestimate nature. Yeah, I, 100%. I mean, I've I've driven like all over. I, I lived in Virginia for a little while too. 
And so like I drove back and forth from Idaho to Virginia and like driving through the Rocky Mountains is the craziest thing. They're so big and so vast. And and I mean, how long have uh, human the, the Homo sapiens inhabited Earth? Well, like 25,000 years we've been here. And who's to say that there isn't some other like humanoid species that has been that is already adapted and begun living in these mountains long before we ever showed up. Hold on, I'm just going to laminate your Club Scout card here real quick, Trevor. <laughs> make sure okay. that it, you make note of the Dover Demon mention. That was okay. That I'm going really to cut tip, the... help tip it over. The oh, edge. it came out nice. Yeah. See, this one came okay, out great. really nice. We'll we're going to mail right that to you, you, Trevor. You're going to your official official Club Scout. Well, let's get into this week's story of high strangeness. It's a bit of a shorter one, but it's a good one. And Trevor, I think this is a story that you might want to share with your dad. I'm so excited. If there's one lesson we can gain from the 1982 classic E.T. the Extraterrestrial, it's that aliens love flowers. Maybe Steven Spielberg <laughs> found inspiration for his titular character's green thumb from a close encounter of the third kind that took place in France back in 1965. Now, you've already set us up for this, Trevor, without knowing, but I just want to take a quick review. Does everyone know their close encounter scale and what those numbers mean? It's been a while. All right. Are you I talking about so. the first kind, the second kind, the third kind, and the yes. fourth kind? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. first the first kind is sighting. Mm-hmm. Correct. The second, uh, I'm not sure of the second. The third kind mm. is contact, and the fourth kind is abduction. Yes. So the third, so the, yes, the, 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 the first kind is a visual sighting of, of an unidentified flying object, seemingly less than 500 feet away. Uh, and then it's, the second kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. Mm. So if you get like okay. your car breaks down as you're driving or you get a sunburn or, you know, you touch, yeah, you touch it and it burns you or you get sick or puke. So any or there's uh, marks on the ground where like footprints or of the of the UFO have have left a trace. So it's just some sort of physical interaction with the environment or the people. And then third is, oh, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at or making contact with one of the occupants. And then, yes, a fourth kind is being abducted, being, being taken or being put into one of these crafts. Well, and then there's Stephen Greer's uh, fifth, fifth kind, a human-initiated contact. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this week's story of high strangeness is notable for the eyewitness description of the entities involved and its consistency with other close encounter stories from around the world, especially the use of certain alien tech that turns up time and time again in these accounts. This is the story of the Valensol alien encounter. The event took place on the morning of July 1st, 1965, in a lavender field in Valençol, France. It was just around 5.45 in the morning when a 41-year-old farmer by the name of Maurice Masson was working on his tractor. Awake since 5 a.m., Maurice was about a mile from home when he heard a strange whistling noise during a smoke break coming from the direction of one of his lavender fields. It wasn't unusual for military helicopters to sometimes circle and land in his pastures, so Mass sent off to go check on his crop. Between the random helicopter landings and a recent wave of vandalism, Mass was feeling protective of his plants. When he arrived at the location, he discovered a large, oval-shaped object about the size of a large car parked among the lavender bushes. From about 100 yards away, Mas could see it was some sort of machine shaped a bit like a rugby ball with a cupola on the top propped up by six legs that connected to a central pylon. Mas described it as looking like an enormous spider. Not far from the object, he saw what at first he mistook for two children bent over one of his lavender bushes. 
No taller than three and a half feet tall, the small figures didn't see him at first, and Mass thought that he had caught a couple kids vandalizing his property red-handed. But when he got closer, the two individuals straightened up and looked in his direction. Needless to say, they weren't children. They weren't even human. The two beings had oversized heads and thin bodies. Their bald alabaster heads were exposed, but they wore jumpsuits that were greenish gray in color. They had large pointy ears, high cheekbones, big slanted almond shaped eyes and lipless mouths. One of the entities reached into a pocket or belt and produced a long pencil like object. Your Mm -hmm. alarm bell should be going off Bryce. Yep. It pointed it at Mas, who suddenly went numb. He was paralyzed in place. The two beings looked at him and chattered in strange guttural noises. And after a few minutes, a doorway opened in the object, exposing a double-seated cockpit. The two beings climbed into their craft. Conscious but frozen, Mas looked on as the central pillar connected to the legs started to rotate creating a whistling sound, perhaps the same sound he heard earlier when the craft was presumably landing. The object then lifted into the air and flew off into the early morning western sky, where it quite literally vanished from sight. Mas remained there paralyzed for another 15 minutes before the effect of the alien being's wand wore off. He walked over to where the object had been parked and found that there were several indentations from the landing gear and a deep hole set by the central pillar of the landing craft in the earth. The ground that had been underneath the UFO was mushy, and as the day progressed, it hardened and dried like cement. Moss returned home shooken. Three days after the encounter, he collapsed at home and fell into a deep sleep that lasted almost 24 hours. For the next few weeks, he slept 12 to 14 hours a night, very unusual for the farmer who habitually got up early. And the lavender field where the craft had landed suffered a bit. A large strip about 10 feet wide and 330 feet long had been burned from intense heat, and no lavender grew back in the immediate vicinity of, around the craft for years. Official investigations into the lavender field corroborated that something strange had affected the plants and soil, and by all accounts, Moss was considered to be an honest, decent man. Bryce, I'm going to pause here real quick. Does this egg-shaped craft with landed gear and a couple occupants remind you of any other case we may have covered from the mid-1960s? Absolutely, man. Uh, Socorro Saucer. Uh, Lonnie Zamora, who was a sh- an officer... Uh, thought there was a dynamite that blew up. He went to go check it out where he sees uh, occupants coming out of an egg-shaped craft that was landed. He, he reports it and calls it in. Other officers come to the scene. They see the thing taking off. That's right. And a family at a gas station uh, down the road had seen this white uh, like yep. egg-shaped craft fly over them. Out, all yep. out in the desert, Trevor. I'm just saying. That's you know, what I'm saying. That's what, what I'm saying. saying. So, Moss actually was told about Zamora's account, I believe from Jacques Vallée, who, uh, uh, who investigated the case. And when he heard Zamora's story, Moss was relieved, saying this. You see that I was not dreaming, and I am not mad. And then you gotta take a big puff on a cigarette. <sighs> Bastards. Although he was consistent with his version of events, investigators got the impression that there was more to the story than Moss let on. Moss later admitted to UFO investigator and author Jacques Vallée, who included the case in Passport uh, to Magonia, that the beings had communicated something to him. But Moss refused to elaborate further, instead telling Vallée, that it was best to keep quiet on the subject, even around family. One always says too much. Bastards. And that is the story of the Valensol UFO encounter. Trevor, what the hell was that? I mean, with with a story like that, it's hard to 
it's hard to see a motive for someone to lie, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people when when yeah. when like non-believers in in UFO paranormal, it's like, well, they were just doing it to get attention, or they were doing it to make money, or something like that. But why would some random French farmer <laughs> in the 1960s make up a story like that? You know, right. like there's no motive unless he just wanted to screw with people. But I don't see why it doesn't make sense. No, like what what reason does he have to not tell the truth about what happened? You're 100 yeah. percent correct. And we've also lived in enough time past these events where we know that it is very rare that anyone who shares a story like this makes any real money off this stuff. You know, yeah. no, of course not. No, they, they bring a world of hurt on their life is what happens when you tell when you say that you have participated or engaged in a story of high strangeness. Your world comes crashing in on you it happens over and over again. There is no money to be gotten. There is no fame to be seeked. It's basically a shit show after that. 100%. It's also, this was backed up by a lot of physical evidence too. You had the, the marks uh, from the craft and the change in the ground and the way that the, the growth pattern of the lavender and everything. So there's, a, mm-hmm. there's a whole other layer to this beyond the firsthand account, you know, mm-hmm. Michael, was that all like documented by authorities and stuff at the time? Were you able to, uh, I know that? that a lot of, so I got this, Oh shoot. I should have it on, on hand here, but I got this out of a big book of UFO cases. Um, it is in the appendix to passport to Magonia. Um, hmm. and it's one of these like classic French flying saucer cases. This is like one of their, this is like one of their like Betty and Barney Hill stories. So this got a lot sure. of press at the time. So I think the authorities came out and a lot of civilian investigators as well. People who were interested in the UFO phenomenon came out and took a look at the field. And because the, the physical ramifications lasted for years, they could le- literally go out and say like, yes, yeah, some weird rectangular burnt strip is here and the ground is hard here and the lavender won't grow in this area. And the thing that all of them, you know, the, the general notion was that yes, he was consistent. Yes. Something seemed to happen, but he wasn't telling the whole story that they gave him. I'm presuming they, they gave him messages of impending doom, which are Mm -hmm. often, hand in hand with encounters like this, that they showed him visions of nuclear war or climate catastrophe stuff that freaked him out. And he didn't want to tell anybody about because it was, was scary, you know, and probably traumatic for him to witness. But that's something else that happens in these events. Trevor is that like people will have these close encounters and they almost have this sort of like borderline, religious vision will happen about impending globe global doom for our species. Yeah. Well, also as soon as you, if you were to report something like that, your life becomes hell Yeah. because then it's just investigation after investigation of like, like imagine, imagine a, a, someone went to the FBI and was like, I was, you know, I was contacted by aliens and they like, they yep. said this like horrible event is going to happen. Like, they're not going to take you at face value. They're going to say, what are you involved? Do you have information on something that's actually going to happen? And they're going to dog you. And then if it were to actually happen and and come to pass, you'd be arrested in a heartbeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like, why the, wouldn't you keep that to yourself? And if it was something really weird, then he probably left that out because as we've also seen in these cases, um, that sometimes something so absurd and so highly strange takes place that if you were to leave that, include that part in your story, you would truly sound insane. Um, yeah. You should tell him about Joe. Is it Simonton? Was Silverton and the pancakes? Oh yeah. Joe Simonton. Yeah. He was, uh, he was another, he was another farmer. His, his UFO experience was one of a craft landing on his farm he uh, a door opens. He sees inside uh, two occupants, and they're cooking pancakes. <laughs> they're making pancakes right inside their UFO, and they ask if uh, if they could if he could run and fetch them some water. And so, of course, being a good farmer, he does. He brings back some water. They take it and they offer him some of these space cakes. Well, 
the craft takes off and he was smart enough to keep these and and send them to authorities. He sent them to the sheriff. Hey, a UFO landed on my farm and gave me some fucking pancakes. Maybe you should look into these things. Well, they did. They sent them to the FDA and and they were able to find that curiously enough, these cakes were oddly bland. They contained no salt whatsoever. And uh, other than that, they were there were some other intriguing elements. But basically, they were like, yeah, it's just a weird cake. But this thing of no salt sort of lends its old homage back to fairyland when things like salt and sulfur and lard are these foods and beverages. Well, of, and salt of keeps, the keeps the other away, right? Salt is Thank the stuff you, right. that you sprinkle to keep That's right. uh, visitors from the other side away. So it would make sense that visitors from the other side wouldn't want to include salt in their recipe. Yeah. It's so strange. I like to think of these little people, these these stories coming down of like, they're little tinkerers working on the matrix and they're introducing novelty into humankind. And and what they're doing is they're, they're you know, visiting certain people so that we have to talk about this stuff and go, hey, what the fuck is really going on with our reality? I That sounds like my favorite brand of alien that I've just heard about now is the alien that comes down to give like cooking tips or cooking mm-hmm. tips. Like, you need- like that story. I want to hear it from the perspective of the alien where they just come down to earth and like, what is that guy cooking? It seems like yeah. a, a, a small pan. There's a pan. Seems like a small battered cake. Let's see if we can recreate it. And then the dude happens to come out to your ship and they're like, Hey, do you want to try our pancakes? <laughs> like oh that's that's God. hilarious to me. I want to meet I those mean, aliens. Why not? You know, if they're abducting people, they've been in a lot of kitchens. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they would have to be interested in oh. common foods that we make. It's kind of like I like this. What you're pitching, Trevor? It's sort of like alien meets ratatouille. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I went to culinary school, and if I ever did, you know, if there is a time in the future where we began to explore space and we made contact and actually were able to go to another planet, the first thing I'd do is go get some food because that's got to be amazing. So why wouldn't they want that with us, right? Hell you're yeah, breaking, you're hungies. You're breaking the first rule. You <laughs> never true. eat the food from I, yeah, that's cooked no. to you by the other. Yeah, but I'm you need energy for your day. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Let's do it. Come on, Green Apple. Get over here. (laughs) Come on, fairy ass. All right. All right. All right. We better wrap this episode up. Trevor, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people truly? I mean, you are a club scout, lifetime club scout as far as we're concerned. What a delight. Thank you. Uh, um, Where can people find your stuff? Where can people find your work? Uh, Lay all those plugs on us right now, please. Oh, great heavens. Um, Okay, so I host a podcast called Trevor Talks Too Much, um, and that's very true. Um, I'm also over on Mythical Kitchen on YouTube, and then my socials are just my first and last name, Trevor Everts, if you want to follow me. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a pleasure, and I've had a a wonderful time, and I'm honored to be a Club Scout. Well, pleasure was ours, all ours. Thank yeah. you, man. And we'll get you Indeed. back. Maybe uh, maybe you watch a Twin Peaks episode and let me know what you think. And if if you want to hop back on, maybe on the other side or something to talk Twin Peaks right. or Fringe. The, you, the door is always open, Trevor. I appreciate Indeed. that. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, buddy. You know what? When you meet a lifetime uh, honoree for, for the Bigfoot Collectors Club, you know it. So uh, yep. welcome to the club, Trevor. Good guy. Great stuff. Platinum anyone tier. Who knows, Platinum tier. Anyone who knows Dover Demon can stay, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty true. much. It's a deep cut. Yeah. No, no offense to any of other past guests. You guys are all great and you're all you're all lifetime members, but that that was a blast. Um, all right, everybody. If you love the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we might read it on the air like this one. Dog Nose Media writes. I just saw these guys' pictures. I thought they would look more like Ted Kaczynski than Dan Cooper. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised they shave and get haircuts. Five stars. <laughs> That's my favorite one. So That's far. a really right. good review. Right. Also, well Google Dan, yeah. Dan Cooper. It's a deep cut. He's like a 1940s 
uh, comic strip pilot, like Air Force pilot. Um, oh yeah, really oh yeah, like DB Cooper. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Yeah, he looks a bit like DB Cooper, but he's kind—he's kind of got that like lantern jaw, like uh, Don Draper look as well. You know, it's pretty, yeah, pretty funny. It's so funny. Um, yeah. So this episode is coming to an end. Thank you so much for that review. But there's a lot more BCC waiting for you on Patreon. Uh, our Patreon, actually, BCC The Other Side. A $5 monthly pledge unlocks three exclusive bonus episodes every month, plus grants you access to the entire Patreon archives. Head over to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And just write to us with your own paranormal stories at BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and over on Twitter at BigfootPod. Follow me on Instagram at McMills. I have another podcast where I talk to actors who share their stories about making it in Hollywood called Slate Your Name, which you can check out right now on your favorite podcast app. That's right. Hey, do you guys have questions about Bigfoot? Hit me up on Cameo. I'll answer them for you and we can start a discussion. Also, follow me on Instagram at Mr. Bryce Johnson and Twitter at Bryce O. Johnson. I'm also on Cameo if you'd like me to say hello or sing you a song. Uh, and I'm on Instagram as Peace Drone, so um, you can follow me there. Get us on, guys. Uh, big thanks to Trevor for joining us. We are headed over to the other side right now for an out there conversation on a topic selected by a listener. Join us there, or until next time, good night. And go get regressed. You sounded like a plea that time. <laughs> You're like, please. <laughs> Please do it. For God's sake, just get replaced. For the family. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.